Welcome back to the Internet Computer Report, podcast number three. This episode is going to be all about the evolution of blockchains. And it's not going to be the same as what you always hear, because there's always plenty of, plenty of gurus telling you about the history of Bitcoin and, and otherwise. But since this is pretty Definity-focused, we're going to run through the evolutions of three blockchains. It's going to be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then all the Ethereum replacements, that claim to be the next generation of Ethereum, and then the one that we believe to be the true third-generation blockchain that is Definity. So, Andrew, yes. why don't you um, take it away and give us a little bit of context as to where we started. Okay, yeah, well, we started in 2009 uh, with Bitcoin, obviously. It was, uh, obviously, during 2008, 2009, we had the financial crisis. So, the response to the financial crisis, the cypherpunks came out with Bitcoin, a incorruptible store of value, a money, a payment system, and it's matured into almost now just a store of value. Uh, but it was, it's, it was a payment system that couldn't be, um, you know, they couldn't um, print all the money away as they were doing with all the quantitative easing measures and all these other things. You want to add to? Uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it was really the, the first time we had a reliable system of money. And I remember I read a, a, a book back in, it was published in, I think, 2015 by Stanford University Press and it had five different authors. And they started it off by saying, Bitcoin is not the first one. Oh, and it, yes. li it literally listed, oh, just like to prove a point, 100 cryptographic payment systems that preceded Bitcoin within the decade prior to it. So a lot of people think Bitcoin was the first one, um, but it wasn't. And what was so special and that made it win is, well, a couple of things is, it truly was peer-to-peer, -peer, so you didn't need anything. And we've seen a lot of governments don't like Bitcoin because it's independent, and uh, the system's proven itself to be unbreakable for more than a decade now. So that was a special thing. And there's always been a, a scale where you kind of have to balance decentralization and anonymity. Anonymity, correct. And no one's ever gotten that balance right. And so Bitcoin's proven itself to really hit, like it's transparent and pseudonymous at the same time. Yeah, and so it did something that we've never seen before. And just like to go back a little further, if you want to make things into, uh, take it in perspective, the broader internet technology sphere, there's always a uh, decentralized and a centralized option for building internet services. And we started off trying uh, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer protocols. So if maybe if you pirated uh, movies and songs off Napster and BitTorrent, those were true peer-to-peer -peer protocols that worked, but we knew they never won the market. And like prior to 2010, they were kind of had a boom and they faded away. And all these decentralized peer-to-peer -peer protocols lost their, uh, they lost their groove and popularity. Yeah, they didn't, add, they didn't add value to the equation. And that's what Bitcoin really first captured. Um, is that, you know, to create, I guess, to create a sufficient network effect, you know, people, in, you know, people enjoy the use of Napster, LimeWire and BitTorrent and all these, but, you know, there wasn't that, that value capture wasn't there. And, and Bitcoin first brought that. And that was probably what, uh, what allowed it to survive. In addition to its anonymity, where the, there was no failure to go after, as was not the case with Liberty Dollar and BitGold and Hash Cash back in the day. Yeah, yeah, so there were so many of them, and they all faded away, but there was one uh, that prospered, and it was Bitcoin, you know, over a decade of its history. Mm -hmm. It was the one who inspired the, uh, basically, rebirth of all these decentralized protocols. Yeah, really amazing. So. That uh, gave birth to the Ethereum. And <laughs> then the next generation, yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, where, well, still, well, Ethereum adds 
smart contracts on top of it. So beforehand with the Bitcoin, you had a ledger where person A would send something to person B and you would know that person A no longer has this object, this, uh, this coin. Um, and now with, uh, with Ethereum, you take that entire, you take that same concept, but then you also add the ability to use smart contracts, which I guess in layman terms would be kind of like a computer program. You're actually able to build on top of, um, of the Ethereum platform. And now we're actually creating, as people have been saying, they call it like a money Legos, where you're actually, we have this base layer. And then on top of that, you're able to build all these different financial applications. And that's where it seems that Ethereum seems to be going, uh, prospering the most is in the DeFi space. Yeah, and so I think what was in Nick Zabu and uh, Zabo and Vitalik Buterin, like some of the Ethereum founders' heads, was they they wanted uh, contracts between people, and that's why we call them smart contracts. So they're like, Bitcoin's great, we have an independent payment system, but what happens if me and you want to have an arrangement and we want to put a certain amount into escrow, mm -hmm. and the only um, entity that it's not actually an entity, but the only thing that you need to control the outcome of that like you completing a task and me returning the escrow would be code. And that's where the idea of a smart contract came. So, you know, Ethereum added uh, much more functional or as they call mm -hmm. Turing complete programming language designed for these smart contracts. And it was in their head, I think these founders to create a Bitcoin that had more functionality for payments. And uh, yeah, so the infrastructure. Yeah, incredible how they how they build off each other. I think it was Zabo was the guy who uh, he created he first coined smart contracts right in the early nineties. I believe it was him. I think it was him. Yeah, yeah. and he was involved I mean, yeah. in, in Bitcoin like yeah, close early, relationships yeah, yeah, with Tim yeah, May and yeah, the yeah, other yeah. cypherpunks. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Cool, cool history on that. Yeah. So I th I think we look at it today. So if uh, people who are watching, they might be familiar with Ethereum as uh, a DApp development platform, or mm -hmm. anyone could launch their token like unlimited functionality pretty much and it's because well you have that touring complete programming language and it's like if you make enough smart contracts you can make a, a really cool dap and then like it started with cryptocurrency or crypto kitties kitties yeah Which yeah like that was a work, yeah. it's funny it's like uh, they created what's essentially the digital equivalent of tokens but they look like kitties on the user interface and they're so they're all uniquely identifiable. So yeah, one kitty is different from another. It's just it's just a hash, but then they add an image to this hash. Yeah, it's That's like uh, it's much, like yeah. Pokemon. I don't, yeah, exactly. People like are Pokemon. still playing yeah, yeah, Pokemon, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have all these unique Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If that was on blockchain, it'd be a lot cooler because mm -hmm. you would have a way to control the supply. Mm -hmm. But yeah, crypt crypto but kitties did a similar concept, and then we kept having offshoots of that. And I think where we're at today is people realized the infrastructure was originally built for contracts. So me and you could arrange payment systems that don't need a third party. Uh, and now we're at a point where we built this amazing, somewhat decentralized architecture where you could build permissionless internet services, right? You don't need a government to tell you that you can make this app and you don't have anyone that could tell you you have to take it down. Yeah, that, uh, is, that is so powerful with, uh, with Ethereum. Just, you know, obviously platform risk and these other things, you know, platform risk being the fact that one of these big tech companies can force, you know, you add a business or if they decide that you get too big, they could shut you down. So Ethereum is super powerful in the fact that, you know, you can't be taken down. You know? yeah. yeah. But in the end, the architecture was designed for just smart contracts. Yes. So yeah, it was an early yeah. on design. Yeah. People were, or you could think of Ethereum. I spoke to a developer yesterday who, who threw this analogy out from Holochain and I absolutely loved it, but you're supposed to build computer systems from a core and then build off of it. 
And Ethereum, the core is really designed for a certain small subset of things. So what they did is they fragmented it and are building out from in. Mm. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the best analogy for why dApps can't scale because you have, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the network fragmenting into all these things that weren't for what the original architecture does. Now they're trying to add these layer twos and these other things mm. in order to make it scale. And now they're going through the proof of stake where they're actually changing the consensus on their on their blockchain. Yeah. yeah. So the next step of this, and I don't know, maybe Andrew, you could take it away from here, mm -hmm. was if you ever invest in cryptocurrency and you find one that says Web3, what does it say? If say it again. So if they're, it, if you invest in Web3, yeah. Say it, uh, yeah. Oh, oh you, the next generation of Web3, is it like the Ethereum killer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything course, yeah, wants yeah, yeah. to be an Ethereum Everything, killer. Well, yeah, like they're going after <laughs> the, the, the big pop over there and they're trying to, yeah. It was a mark, their marketing tactics. And how many of those have succeeded? None. None. Zero. How many even, even came close? Zero. They're all yeah. ghost chains. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's so hard to replicate the, those kind of network effects. So obviously with Bitcoin being you know, the first, the, the network effects were immense. You know, you have millions of users today. And Ethereum, in my opinion, there will be no other smart contract platform solely that will be able to compete with so all these Web 3s that are supposedly coming out to Tezos, the... Uh, block stacks, algorithms, they're all trying to, or the, um, what's that, what's that, what's that new one? The polka dot, polka dot one. <laughs> what's yeah. that one? The polka dot one. Yeah. Those, what, yeah. what does network effects mean? Oh, so network effects is basically, um, you know, getting users, having documentation for people to write on your platform, you know, making it easier. It, it, there's a, there's a, there's a law that says it, you know, whenever, the more users you have, the more infinitely it is easier to, to use something else. So the more Ethereum developers that already exist, so much easier for the next person because you have all their documentation that they've been writing. So, you know, yeah, so Solidity, the programming language of Ethereum is not the most conducive and best language possibly that developers would like to use, but hey, guess what? You know, they've been using it, it works, and uh, you have, you know, it, you yeah. know, it is. So that's where, that's where they differentiate themselves from these other so-called Web3 plays. Um, and and yeah. the network effects, so uh, you could uh, also call it like peer-to-peer -peer value. Yes. It goes beyond the developer. It goes very directly to the user. And you just think of why does Facebook never lose? And it's probably be because if someone was to come up and want to beat Facebook, then they need to get all of the data that people already have and get everyone's friends that already ha is on Facebook to go yeah, over to, true, to another true. one. So, and no like, one's, no one's going to switch for just a slight minute difference. Yeah. You need a completely different architecture, and that'll lead us to Definity. But you need a completely different architecture to really attract these, you know, these develop, you know, developers and other. And uh, and honestly, in the crypto sphere, Ethereum has really cemented itself as I think it will be the settlement layer for you know for finance in my yeah. you know, and I and I see it. You know, it's immutable. It's not subject to change. But in terms of going after the like a developer network, you know, all the crypto people are in there, but there are billions of people that are not crypto people and they're just regular, you know, well, hundreds of millions of, you know, just regular developers that are out there and crypto is really not their space. You need kind of that intermediary and that will be the winner of who the third generation of blockchain will be. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love how you brought up, no one's going to move for minute effects yeah. or it, um, and the problem I see with these web three things is Ethereum has a lot of problems. Right. And if you want to be an Ethereum killer, all the examples out there probably fix one mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah. So you could look at um, Hedera Hashgraph and they say it's not scalable. Our Hashgraph is better, but they don't fix 
the decentralization problem. They kind of throw the uh, proof of consensus problem aside. You'll have things like Holochain. They're like, uh, it's better to have the storage be off-chain so you have more security there. But they don't they don't produce any new features. They don't. Um, they might scale better, mm-hmm. but it's just one minute tweak. And then you'll have something like a block stack. They're just like, if we could incentivize developers with all of the funds to create something new mm-hmm. on a scalable architecture, we'll be okay. But what they forgot to account for is that every single other project that they're competing with is probably doing the same thing. Exactly. And we're looking at these, you know, these network effects, the thing that we really need to move from a centralized internet to a decentralized internet is becoming fragmented increasingly because no one wants to accept that that one is the one. Mm-hmm. They want to be the one themselves. Yes. Yeah. So Blockstack, even if um, Polkadot became the standard, you know, uh, the Blockstack developers would never, or the Blockstack See, team would yeah, never say, yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys should stop building on this, you know, Go, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to give all our, our rest yeah, of our yeah, funding yeah, yeah. and resources to Polkadot. Go over there. Like it's it's never going to happen. And you know what? Yeah, the, the the people end up speaking. You know, the, the people are the voices at the end of the day. At the end of the day, where is everybody currently? They're all building on Ethereum for a reason. That's why you have yes. Tezos and these other ones. They, they think they have like daily fees of like 30 or $40 versus millions of dollars in fees are being generated on Ethereum. You know, actually, and even Uniswap. Uniswap has millions of dollars in fees too every single day. Versus um, Tezos is $50, EOS has $20 in fees. These are all ghost chains. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, the world has spoken and they say that these are not, yeah. not the future. And so, uh, if I'm a, mm-hmm. like an, a very avid listener in the space, I would be wondering, like, okay, there's got to be someone that's tackling interoperability. There's, yeah. You know, there's no way this problem is just being swept under the rug by everyone. And it's not, it's, it's people are with the block stacks and the Tomo chains and the holo chains and the eternity are waiting for a magic bullet or, you know, some quick fixed interoperability. So let's look at, I could see maybe two that are trying Polkadot and Cosmos. Mm-hmm. Now Cosmos has an interesting approach. They're trying to make an inner chain protocol and they want everyone to base their standard off of it. And I think we're going to run into that same feedback loop of, you know, they think they're the standard and they're, they want to connect everybody. So what's going to happen, and, and uh, they haven't even released it yet, but when it comes out, one of the first implementations is going to be Zcash. They're going to hook up Zcash and, and maybe Ethereum. I don't even know about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really cool, cool, yeah, yeah. really cool thing, really okay. cool solutions coming. But at the end of the day, they're putting so much effort into connecting those two chains and it's the benefit is that you're going to be able to swap Ethereum for Z- Zcash. Mm-hmm. It's not revolu- it's not revolutionary. It's no. if they connected every chain in that way, maybe you'd be able to get a little bit more network mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. across them. Mm-hmm. But you're never going to have one smart contract running on two separate chains for two separate DApps or social medias. And then uh, I briefly mentioned Polkadot, and you know we'll run through this quickly. But their plan to scale out is. Uh, pretty closed or you know it literally goes into a triangle (laughs) there's substrate and then all these parachains and they're all gonna run it's so confusing (laughs) oh my goodness i didn't even you know the parachain thing the initial parachain offering i'm i was already yeah i tried looking into it it was yeah so i made a i made a video about it a couple of years ago and uh i explained the depths of the parachains but 
from what I see is they don't know how they're going to scale out. That they're kind of just they figured out substrate and they figured out how to get all the power chains to report back to substrate, which is going to make the ones who created it really rich. And then uh, they were supposed to have power chains become their own validator networks. And I don't know if they have a long-term plan for that. And then once again, it's like everyone who's built on everything else is not going to be able to interact with it. Like uh, Ethereum might be able to communicate with Polkadot, but that's the extent. I mean... Yeah, that's that's my summary about yeah, where great, the great state summary. of state of Web three is Web3. today. So now, so obviously, we're you know for the internet computer, where do you see that evolving, and how it makes everything else better in in terms of that? Yeah, well, I might have to shoot myself in the foot here yeah. <laughs> and say that Definity, just like everyone else, is trying to be the one, right? And the claim is the claim is essentially that, and well, it's the truth, but when you look at them in every level of analysis, you'll find that they have superiority in features, and that's why it's a third-generation blockchain. So we, you know, just like the governance is better than anything I've I've come across in my in my studies, like for a lifetime. Their consensus engine, consensus mechanism, is faster and more secure than anything I know about, and their plan for network effects. And combine, combination with WebAssembly, meaning the users are never going to have to pay, and every developer is going to be able to communicate across every language. Yeah. So it's just going to be way easier for all the developers. Just it's a paradigm shift across the board. So you're talking about not just one slight minute change. You're talking about a whole rearchitecture. Exactly. Of how yeah okay. So completely different. They don't just fix one thing. They fix everything. And now, do you see? So obviously, you know, the two of us were, were very much uh, interested in Definity. Do you, do you see that these other chains to eventually consolidate where they're no longer in existence or will they just keep running these other chains in the background? Yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, Might be, I who am I? I'm not, I'm not qualified it. to answer yeah. that, and it, but no one really knows the answer. So I'll just throw my two cents out there. But if I, was to, I was to imagine this transition happening. I think the Internet computer wouldn't be standardized for everybody even optimistically for a decade like it would take at least that long for everyone to be using the internet internet computer mm -hmm. and you look at startups uh like blockstack at least in their early beginnings they were equally as well funded as definity uh they'll probably continue to be be around i mean i spoke to a developer yesterday from holochain he had a really interesting perspective on the fragmentation of web3 uh things so he said it's it's okay if we fragment and we're not going to be able to take on big tech that way, but we will be able to create localized systems. So if you want to have a community that, you know, does a local election for their um, local mayor or something like that, mm -hmm. then they could go to one of these fragmented Web3 projects and that'll be a good place for those sort of small scale things to happen. Very cool. Yeah. Very nice. If you want to recreate Facebook, it's not going to happen. Yeah, very interesting. So now obviously, uh, Definity is coming out with their something called the canister, which is their, uh, you know, a new take of like almost like a smart contract. It's almost like an evolution of smart contracts. Can you dive a little deeper into how a canister is better than a smart contract or how it evolves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to try my best to be completely non-technical here. And we will do a separate episode on canisters and that might get a little technical, but... Let's just say the developer side of things. 
what a canister means. And in terms of advantages, it's like if you want to be a web developer today, mm-hmm. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Oh my God, how many things you have to go through? Yeah, right? exactly. you have to yeah. learn like at least yeah. at least the basics of some like ten languages, even if yeah. they're you know it's just command line or hypertext protocol. I give a lot of respect to. Yeah, <laughs> the folks I mean, doing that, so. and there's just no reason for it. Uh, if you want to look at why why the internet evolved that way, it's, well, it's let's say 20 years in the making, maybe, of course it goes deeper than that, but protocols that we're using now are 20 years old. And yeah. it's like, it, we didn't think we were going to be doing the things that we're doing today on those old protocols. So everyone made new ones mm-hmm. and it's just the stack of these things. And then uh, the other half of the equation is data storage. So the connection part is dealt with with protocols and the, the storage part has got to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. So in your computer, it's a, it's a hard drive but you don't store the internet on your hard drive. It's stored like in Google or Mm -hmm. in Facebook servers. Yeah, servers. Yeah, yeah. and they'll be underwater or super protected. Connected through wires, through... uh through the oceans and all that other stuff. Yeah. 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 People really, we don't really know how the internet even forms in the first place. That's for, yeah. That's for like, them, yeah. Well, we're still going to be using yeah. fiber optic cables fiber optic, and, yeah, and routers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not replacing all of those yeah. things, but back to what the developer has to look at. Mm-hmm. The developer has to deal with Google and because they want to use Google's data structure. That means they, since Google controls the data, they also have to use uh, Google's IT stack, which is going to have their APIs, their developer tools, um, their SDKs and uh, so API application programming interface mm-hmm. SDK software development kit it's mm-hmm. um, just things all these different things that developers are going to have to concoct and mix together so now with Definity what what uh, what will be the process for just a, a developer now how does it simplify it alright so a canister is your code and your data running in the same place and you launch it via a command line interface. We both did it. it neither yeah, neither yeah, of, of course, us yeah. neither easy. of us are developers, which yeah. is kind of proof that it, you know anyone could do it. Documentation is yeah super yeah. simple and super easy. Yeah. We we did a hello canister, so it wasn't hello, any really. uh, program code. But mm-hmm. the only thing a developer has to worry about is the code that's inside of it and the data that's inside of it. They don't need to worry about where that data is. They don't need to worry about firewalls to protect it. Mm-hmm. They don't need to. Uh, worry about the logic that makes it communicate on different operating systems. Like if, if you launch an app today, you're subject to the rules of the Google Play Store yeah. and the Apple App Store. Oh my goodness. And you have yeah. to rework things. It's I, yeah, I think, like, I think, it was, I think uh, Trust Wallet, which is one of the most uh, popular uh, uh, wallets for crypto users, they actually, they had a, a new version, but it didn't abide by the Apple Store rules. So the, I think it was the Samsung, the Android, they allowed it. But for Apple, they actually had to change it. So they actually had to make an older version in order to make it compatible. There was something about being like a browser that Apple felt that it was too close to what they actually have with the App Store. And they actually shut them down. They had a, Oh, that's yeah, so that funny. That's yeah. so funny. Crazy. I, I saw something else about that. It, it's like the abuses of the App Store. Very yeah. real. Oh, yeah. But there was a, a develop, like Learn to Code app. Mm-hmm. This is unrelated to blockchain. But... Um, in the Apple App Store, they disallowed it until they took out the Android part, which was favored by Google. And oh in Google, in the Google Play Store, they did the opposite. Oh, wow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah it, it is so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's so funny that the guidelines or, you know, yeah, community yeah. guidelines that you have to follow are just some arbitrary thing out in hyperspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to the affinity. So we're talking about the canisters, how it's simplifying. So obviously you don't have to go through all these other 
these other issues. Uh, so what, what would it look like for a developer, uh, you know, building on Definity? You know, what other things does it offer with ease? Um, well, okay. Imagine you're learning to code. And if you, you're probably going to do, you're going to go on a site where you learn the programming logic. Mm -hmm. And then it like runs in a test environment. The only thing you have to do to do that in Matoko, which is their native programming language, is you use Visual Studio Code. That's what, where it runs now. But you could probably use whatever platform it runs on. You have it inside, like you, as simple as you could imagine. It's just an application that runs the programming logic. And then at the end of the day, uh, you throw it into a canister via a command line interface. It's something so simple that I could do. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's it. And then the front end, which is the part that you see. So you know when how you click things and where those toggles are. Yeah, of course. That's a different, you know, I mean, there's like a slight adjustments that you have to do, but I guarantee you it's way simpler. They have, simpler. Wow. yeah, they have even, um, if the code is simple enough, yeah. then Definity has ways in which the user interface generates itself, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah. you know, that's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so you don't have to write extra code. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible that, you know, you know, all these amazing tech companies that are out there, you know, uh, you know, of all the money that's around there, they never even tried to undertake the challenge of re-architecting this thing because now definitive transcends what just blockchain is at this point they're they're going off to the entire on the entire stack this is a this is a four trillion dollar industry that they're going up against uh and you know they're getting rid of all of the you know you're taking exactly like we were talking about we're talking about these old protocols they kept building on top of it and nobody took the time to say hey let's go back from start one and to see where it goes from there uh you know and, and get rid of all that other complexity so it's um it's really amazing what uh, what they're undertaking it, it, yeah, it really is a completely new internet uh, if people choose to use it that way. Yeah. And I know you mentioned last time uh, about the benefits for users. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, it's pretty much as if uh, all the benefits that you would get from DeFi and these other applications except infinite scalability. Mm -hmm. You, you want to touch on that and, like, no payments. Oh, for no. say that one more time? What would you like me to Just, um, expand on? So... We talk a lot about developers and the mm -hmm. Divinity Foundation focuses on developers. I mean, it's a great way to attract people because uh, you want the best developers building yeah. on, on your platform. They do a great job of doing that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we want to know what it's like to be a user and the benefits that they reap. It has a lot to do with the, the freedom to do DeFi services without all the incurred fees from oh, using Ethereum. Oh, you're talking about, oh, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, so you're going about how we... Hey, you take the ICP though and make cycles and you'd have it. Yeah, so the the bandwidth would be provided by the developer and the person that's using the platform wouldn't have to really see anything. So that is, so it'd be a much more simple uh, user experience rather than having to have a MetaMask extension with Ethereum and having to interact and pay these exorbitant fees, the, the, the person who actually creates the developer. So on the user end, you would just use your thing as you'd be using anything. And that's, uh, you know, and simplifying it is probably the most important thing. Yeah. You wanna, yeah, people, you know, really, if you really want to see crypto and the industry really expand, you can't, you got to take all complexity out of it. And, and that's, that's really what kind of what big tech does, except we really don't have any other alternatives. So big tech makes everything so simple for us. You know, they have a page, make your login and you're good to go. Now we're content with this, but if we had a better alternative where we don't have to give up any of our freedoms and privileges and we, and there was some other way where we can guarantee our data, then absolutely we'd use it. But you know, no one's undertook the challenge of a, of a definity. So on the user end, you're basically going to be, you're not really going to see much difference um, in terms of how we 
interact with the internet today, except, um, you know, you'll have some other guarantees that are, that are better. You don't have to, you know, sub, you don't have to be subjected to platform risk. It's going to be a better experience for, for entrepreneurs and, and, other and it, stuff, it's, yeah. it, uh, everything that's going to be built on it is going to be things that couldn't otherwise be, be integrated into a regular website. So we talked about Sailfish. It's probably going to be their DeFi app. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine you're using a decentralized exchange. Now, to do that, you would need usernames and, and passwords, uh, which Divinity doesn't have. And you would need to worry about your wallet keys. And then you would need to worry about even decentralized exchanges getting hacked. So are, you talking about, are you talking about with, uh, with on like Ethereum, like decentralized exchanges on Ethereum? Yeah, yeah, okay. it could it could be uh, anything. I mean, mm-hmm. Uniswap's pretty secure, but some some of them we have to worry about the rug getting pulled. Oh, uh, oh, you're talking, oh, you're talking about on uh, in regards to Uniswap. You know, there you know you have um, with these. That's why decentralized exchanges have gotten so popular. You know, we've seen so many hacks happening. I know there was well, obviously the original one was the Mount Gox where all the money was taken, but I think uh, all these decentralized exchanges, uh, these decentralized exchanges are much more secure in the fact that. Um, you know, you're just dealing peer to peer directly with somebody, but with Uniswap, there is having to deal with, you know, extensions, MetaMask extensions. So, yeah. And so other I'll, things. I'll run through that. You, yeah. You're absolutely right. It's not dangerous to be using the Uniswap exchange with like the rug pulled kind of a separate technological yeah, issue. These, these, these other tokens that you deal but with. Let's, let's run with the Uniswap example. So if there was an exchange built on Definity, here's the difference. First of all, you're not paying gas fees. Users don't use aren't, right. aren't paying 100% for, on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so decentralized exchange on, let's say, the Sailfish or the Definity application is going to be more efficient. It's not going to have usernames or passwords. And Uniswap doesn't have a username or password, but it has, uh, you have to hook it up to a wallet, which is another piece of added complexity for a user. And issue with um, MetaMask is that it's a browser extension and it's still subject to the rules of big tech. So just like we mentioned, there's issues of getting, uh, like if you're not within the rules of the Google Play Store, Mm. Google will say, we're not allowing you here. And if you're not, like they could do the exact same thing on Google Chrome. The extension has this same, oh, that's right. they're you know, subject you know, to the I never, same I never rules. even thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Like something like a MetaMask. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's not to say you would lose your MetaMask private key. You could you could go to like a Firefox browser and then use it. But mm-hmm. if um, if I was a Google CEO and I wanted to prevent these things from happening, that's what I would do. I'd say. You would make it much, more, say, you'd make it much uh, more difficult. MetaMask yeah. is not allowed. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. pe- people are getting hacked. Yeah, <laughs> that's, course, that's what yeah. they would yeah, say. No, yeah, you're 100% um, right on that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think what users should be viewing it as is... You could build new services with blockchains. You could build um, a decentralized bank per per se. Mm-hmm. You can't remove the added complexity yet. You can't hook up, a, like log onto a website and sign up for a bank account like uh, you would on Ethereum. It, it's not easy at all. And it's not trustworthy, especially for people who don't know what's going on. With Definity, it's literally just going to be a website. You're not, you're not going to see your wallets. You're not going to have a username or password. These things, I mean, the way that works is, you know, it's kind of complicated. But when you build a new infrastructure from the ground up and keep those things in mind, you could create entirely new services, uh, you know, perhaps ones that we can't imagine yet, but maintain that simplicity that big tech gives us. Great way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, One note I think we might want to end on is the idea of paradigm shifts. So a paradigm, uh, well, a paradigm is a a pattern of doing things. That's how it's defined in the dictionary. And it's the common one. It's the one that everyone uses. So 
a paradigm shift might be the fact that humans eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If we wanted to convince, like move the norm to something else, you need a paradigm shift. So if you wanted to convince people that four meals a day was the standard, you, you would need, um, well, you would need some kind of market mover that isn't imaginable in the current way that we think of three meals a day. I'm uh, probably running with a terrible yeah. example well, here. Well, you can even use the example of, you know, we were so accustomed to taking a train to work every day, working from our office, work from nine to six and come home. And now with, you know, with COVID, people are just learning that, hey, I could do the exact same things at home. And, you know, that's a, that's a paradigm, that's a paradigm that's, shift. That is a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. But go on as, as it applies to the definitive. Yeah. So Web3 needs to be a paradigm shift if it wants to take over big tech. Because And we can't fragment the network effects. So what I think the paradigm shift is, is a completely new internet stack. And what that means is if big tech uh, was gone tomorrow, mm -hmm. which, you know, can't really Obviously, happen, yeah. uh, Definity would remain untouched. You can't say that about Ethereum. You can't say that about pretty much any of the other Web3 startups. Like, how are you even going to access their websites? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. So that's a very 60, real thing. 60% yeah, of nodes running on top of... Uh yeah, and, uh, AWS and Google Cloud for Ethereum. So yeah, Ethereum's yeah. like screwed if yeah, Google wants to yeah. screw them. Be a big problem, take, yeah. take that well, a bit further. Yeah. And the fact that they're actually going after, yeah. And actually, if anything, Definity having an internet computer like platform, it could actually even make Ethereum and Bitcoin more secure. If you know, if you could imagine, uh, almost like as if Ethereum was living in a canister in Definity in the internet on the internet computer. Yeah, and yeah. They, they want to be able that'd to be a great. That would be a great use at case right off the bat. Actually, if they were to kind of you know take some of the big tech crowd you know that people are using you know building you know nodes and other stuff on top of um for ethereum you know ethereum nodes running on top of these big tech they would run it on definity or run ethereum inside a canister in some way maybe we'll see something like that but they definitely do i have written plans for uh they give an example where you could sign an ethereum smart contract from your definity id oh okay so yeah go. like that the interoperability challenge mm -hmm. It's not like Polkadot's ahead of them in any way by being a sister network to Ethereum. Mm. So, and how, and how long of a time frame do you see that? You know, obviously this is a massive undertaking, but in next like three to five years, uh, how do you see the internet computer developing? Or what would you like to see it develop? Rather, I know this is a pretty, <laughs> this is a pretty tough question, but what well, are you it's thinking? uh, techno. I could tell you the technology is prepared. Yes. The part of it that is, uh, you know, a big question mark is, are people going to start using it? Are people yeah. going to decide to go that way? It. Yeah. So I, well, hopefully our, I can't answer. Hopefully, hopefully our Internet Computer Podcast here is the report. Internet Computer Report is helping people yeah. <laughs> get to the next level to yeah. help uh, get the word the, out. The paradigm shift uh -huh. there is going to be the absolute simplicity and the higher yeah. efficiency, like mixing a multi multitude of factors of Ethereum at the all, all at the same time, all in one platform. And that's what the third generation is and looks like. And uh, yeah, I'm still looking for people to prove me wrong on this. Yeah. I haven't found yeah, any. Yeah, yet, I'm, yeah. I'm asking, <laughs> I, I'm asking, asking developers. Yeah, yeah. We're very open. We're like very open sending out emails to all these companies being like, challenge me on this, challenge yeah. me on this. Okay. I can't find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the gentleman you said you spoke to the other day. When it was a very technical guy when you started explaining to him what a canister was. Yeah, he, he was mind blown. He, he was mind blown. Was very mind highly, blown. we won't say the project. Well, I think you already said the project. Yeah, it was whole chain. He would be, he would be but, happy. To yeah, he'd be happy here. But uh, cool. So I think that was yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Evan, on this great explanation. All these different yeah. things. Yeah, uh, I'm going to extend yeah. that offer to anyone listening. So uh, you know, I'm going to be paying attention to the YouTube comments on this. If you think I'm 
I'm wrong about Definity or there's another, uh, you know, paradigm shift style going on. Let's hear it. We could talk, you, you email me, you'll find that in the YouTube channel page. So I love it. Very good. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, have a great day, everybody. Yeah. Thanks Bye. all for watching.